0: I had a distinct advantage. My advantage was I was already talking to the operators and the retailers and the consumers and listening to what they had to say. And back then, and I'm talking already four or five years ago, I was already hearing, hey, what else do you have? What are you planning? What's coming? And and I knew at that point in time that we were gonna need to, as a whole, and I'm talking the industry, We were going to need to start showing uh, the consumer variety, something different. And and we weren't going to live the rest of our company's lives on one or two products. We needed more.
1: Danny O'Malley, who you heard there, left his gig at Beyond Meat to start a plant-based meat company with a product platform to serve the insatiable desire he saw rising for more than just analog burgers. With Before the Butcher, he and his innovation team have built uncut and now mainstream products to a fully stocked, plant-based, meat-like market with meatless breakfast sausage patties, meatless tips, grounds, and crumbles, and burgers that replicate turkey, chicken, pork, and beef. In this episode of Fodder, Danny and I talk consumers, innovation, and investment drivers in the plant-based meat market and why he might not approach his business the same way again today. I'm Christine Kapperman, and this is Fodder, the podcast offering food for thought for natural products industry professionals. Fodder is brought to you by New Hope Network's Escabona platform and is underwritten by 301 Inc., The Gianuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Unilever, and Whipstitch Capital. Now, Danny, this isn't your first foray into plant-based meat. Can you talk a little bit about how you found yourself in this space?
0: Of course. First of all, thank you, Christine. I appreciate uh, being on this podcast with you and having an opportunity to talk a little bit about how I got here, the industry as a whole, and, and where I think we're going to go from from here. But. Uh, I've actually been in what what I call the plant based space, which is uh, a bit different than the vegan and vegetarian space, though it encompasses that as well, because the plant based space is more specific to uh, especially the plant based meat space, uh, uh, driving products out toward the meat eaters. Uh, in addition to vegans and vegetarians. And we're making products that really mimic the bite, chew, taste, and texture of meat because we we want the meat eaters to be interested in these products and try them. So I I really jumped into this space uh, nearly six years ago when I uh, started working for the leader and innovator in plant-based meat products or analogs uh, who is beyond meat and uh, feel very fortunate to have spent some time with them and learning on my end as well what this is all about and, and getting excited about the industry and the opportunities in the industry. And what I saw back then was truly the tip of the iceberg. And we're, we're talking about a time where not everybody knew who Beyond Meat was or what they were doing and why they were doing it. So we spent most of our time educating uh, the public, educating the operators, the retailers. Uh, the consumers themselves as to what plant-based was all about because their immediate thought was this is, this is for the vegans and vegetarians. And that certainly wasn't the direct outlook of what Beyond Meat was trying to accomplish or what we are trying to accomplish today with Before the Butcher. So it, it was a really exciting, uh, frustrating, uh, driven period of time uh, six years ago uh, even up until just a, a few years ago when uh, Beyond released the Beyond Burger and Impossible released their burger. And that really is where I define the start of the plant-based analog or plant-based meat evolution is when those two burgers hit the market, which is going on four years, believe it or not. Oh, that's um, crazy
1: to think about, actually. It, it, <laughs> it, it,
0: it is really amazing. So I, I believe it was May of 20. 16, that Beyond released uh, with Whole Foods up in the Boulder, Colorado area. And then shortly thereafter, within a couple of ma- uh, months, uh, Impossible released their burger in a restaurant in New York City. And then I think we all have a pretty good idea how that evolved from there and where we are today. Uh, but I feel really fortunate to be a, to have been a part of that with Beyond and certainly seeing what, what it evolved from there. And what I did know... Uh, fairly soon on when I started at Beyond is is that this was truly the tip of the iceberg and that the growth within the plant-based industry as a whole, not just plant-based meats, but all variations of plant-based products that were appealing to meat eaters as a whole or, or animal-based eaters, because we could look at dairy and snacks and all other kind of things, um, this was something that was really going to open up and um, evolve um, in a very very quick way and I knew that one or two companies uh, wasn't going to be able to handle it and and I thought that variety was important and and that was my first outlook into starting before the butcher uh, was that we wanted to provide variety we wanted to provide what we or still think today are, are a little bit better nutritionals um, including sodium level which is important we can talk a little yes. bit further about that too uh, and then affordability and we're all working on that as a whole uh, because we all want to be a little bit more affordable and more accessible and accessibility has changed tremendously over the past year as we all know so uh, that was kind of my foray I spent about three years with beyond started before the butcher in September of 2017 focused on food service, and then we launched into retail uh, October of 2019, just a few months ago, and, and that's exploding for us as, as well. We're in uh, more than 800 uh, retail locations and growing in that aspect as well, so we're really excited about what's happening with the industry and uh, trying to prepare for the uh, onslaught of activity and competition as well, which is happening this year in a big way.
1: Right. I really appreciate the definition that you have for plant-based. We were just talking in the office this morning about what is that phrase, hyphenated <laughs> words. What does that mean? And so that I really appreciate how you're looking at that. And is that also kind of converting to what I think is rising more and more that we're accepting the word flexitarian as well?
0: Yeah. Oh, different, well, definitely. So there are several words that we could use, and and I tend to use regularly. Flexitarian is one of them. Okay. And the, 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 what I believe is a true de- definition of flexitarian is a, a vegetarian at heart, but feels comfortable uh, cheating, and and that's not a bad thing. It feels comfortable that they're not restricted by a diet, and and it's important to talk about that too this should not be a diet for anybody. It should be a lifestyle change. It should be a change in the way you eat in addition to activity and so on and so forth to make it healthier for you and the planet and, and the animals as well. It's a lifestyle change. So flexitarianism, uh, which means basically a vegetarian that, that would from time to time choose to eat an animal-based product. Um, and then Reducitarian, or or what I like to call a meat reducer, would actually be a meat eater that from time to time is choosing to eat plant based because they're they're making a choice for various different reasons, whether it's their own health reasons, or. Uh, for the health of the planet as a whole are concerned with animal welfare. Um, it's kind of the flip uh, uh, side of flexitarian, as I see it. You, you've got your flexitarian, who's mostly a vegetarian, that will eat meat products or animal-based products from time to time. And then you've got your meat reducers, who are mostly meat eaters, who will eat plant-based from time to time. And they are clear choices, and they should be uh, choices that are, are made um, not based necessarily specifically on diet because we all know that diets tend to fail over time and most often in a very short period of time but really on lifestyle you're making a lifestyle change and you're doing it consciously
1: that's such a good point and, and then how we're defining ourselves is shifting as well so there's such nuance in those words but at the same time um, the flexibility across all of these ways of eating and really putting plants forward in the end,
0: uh, agreed. You know, we, we have statistics today that tell us a third of the population will make regular choices on a weekly basis, sometimes a daily basis, to eat plant based. And then another third of the population are open to that, are open to trying plant based options. So we're talking about two thirds of the population saying to themselves, hey, look, uh, this is something that I'm considering or that I'm doing, and I'm going to do regularly. Uh, and I think that's a real positive movement. And and I, again, to me, even today, uh, 2020, we're in now three or uh, going on four years past when uh, I see the launch of plant-based. Um, we are still on the tip of the iceberg where things are going to continue to trickle down in a very, very big way and we'll continue to grow this segment of the industry, which is good for all of us.
1: Sure. So talking about this segment and what's driving it, is it the consumer? Is it all about the innovation and the food tech, so to speak? Uh, There's a lot of investment excitement. What's really at the heart of what we're seeing in this space?
0: Well, I I think it's always the consumer. Uh, The bottom line is, is if the consumer is not interested in what you're doing, you're you're not going to be able to sell it. And and so the initial innovation that came from beyond and, and impossible with their burgers was interesting and exciting and certainly innovative in a very big way compared to what we had seen, the type of products we had seen previously. Uh, And they broke the glass ceiling in many different ways with those products when they released them. And and they are evolving every single day and getting better and better with both Beyond Impossible and uh, Before the Butcher and other competitors on the market. So the consumer is the end all if the consumer doesn't say, hey, look, we're interested in that, we wanna see more, Uh, we love what you're doing, we're willing and able and going to buy that product, whether in food service, with restaurants or or food service operations or retail or both as we're seeing today, without that buy-in, you're not gonna go anywhere. But I, I, I think as we step back and we look at what happened with Beyond Meat specifically, and the buy-in from big players in the food industry like Tyson immediately saying, hey, um, once Beyond got to a certain point with their burger saying hey we want in and buying into beyond meat you know as we know that that didn't uh, you know stick and then Tyson went out and did their own thing uh, which is is another buy-in to what we're doing as a whole. When you see big industry coming in and saying, hey, th- this is something, Either we want to be a part of it by buying or buying into a company that's already doing it, or we're going to do it ourselves, as we're seeing with many players out there uh, past uh, Tyson and Nestle and so on and so forth and just ConAgra recently. These are multi-billion dollar international companies saying, hey, there's something here. Uh, now, they're, they're, they're uh, capital driven, right? So they're looking for, they're doing this because they think they're going to make some money on it, uh, which is not a bad thing. You know, that that's, that's what business is all about. You don't go into business to lose money. You go into business to make money. So if they're seeing the big picture and knowing that over time this this category within the food industry is going to continue to grow and get stronger and stronger, that's a huge buy-in. And that, that's a big reason why we're seeing what we're ha- seeing happen today and why this is growing exponentially in such a way that it's hard to compare it to any other segments of the industry. We saw the explosion of gluten-free, uh, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, but I think this is, this is so much bigger than that.
1: Such a good point, I try to draw, draw those parallels in so many ways, but this is a wild and crazy different market. Where do you see it all it's going? So- <laughs>
0: yeah it really is the wild west right now yeah somebody and i and i'm based in the west so that's not a bad (laughs) idea right that's good for me right um it's interesting um i I see what i see is uh, a a continued explosion of plant-based products um you know and i'm talking more specifically about plant-based analogs and meat type products that that we produce but it's bigger than that because we're looking at dairy Uh, and snacks and other other avenues and and seafood and so on and so forth, where we're going to continue to see a tremendous growth. Um, But this year is is a a true year that I think we're going to go back in five or 10 years and mark 2020 as the year of plant-based meats, uh, because it is exploding. So everybody, uh, not everybody, but certainly most of the major players in the food industry that would make these type of products that are already involved in animal-based proteins have jumped on board and said either we were acquiring or we have acquired a company that can do this for us or we're doing it ourselves or or, or we're doing both things. And so knowing that and knowing the type of money that is being invested into this industry, even if you look at just beyond an impossible and the multiple tens and hundreds of millions of dollars that have been invested into those two companies in order for them to grow and develop and create and innovate. Um, This is going to be an amazing year for plant-based meats in a very big way. We're going to see a lot of really, really crazy, cool products come out, I believe. And we're also going to see a point in a very short time uh, that I believe we're going to see some saturation, especially with the burgers. Uh, because the first thing everybody's landing on, and we know the success that Beyond and Impossible and even before the butcher have had with the plant-based burger in the past year or two or three or four, everybody's making plant-based burger and a plant-based ground. So I think variety is going to be really important this year. The plant-based burger and plant-based ground are, is already at the point where uh, we have to think about saturation. and uh, And people are going to look for what else do you have? what's next? And we're going to see a lot of that this year.
1: Oh, yeah, excellent points. So why? Oh, why did you go out and do this on your own? What? Why? Why'd you go out and do it before the butcher?
0: (laughs) Well, I think I just led into that question. And I appreciate that. And so um, because I thought variety was important. So we we went out immediately into food service, which is my forte and and my comfort zone in the food industry. Um, And we launched uh, eight products right out the gate, and that was inclusive of chicken chunks, beef tips, pulled pork, chorizo, uh, sausage ground, um, and and a, a plant-based uh, ground similar to ground beef. Those those products, um, I went after that, and we went after that as a team right away because we, know, we knew we could separate ourselves with not only really, really great products that have the bite-chew texture and taste similar to, to animal-based proteins, but also because variety, uh, I thought was really important. And and I had a distinct advantage. My advantage was I was already talking to the operators and the retailers and the consumers and listening to what they had to say. And back then, and I'm I'm talking already four or five years ago, I was already hearing, hey, what else do you have? What are you planning? What's coming? And and I knew at that point in time that we were going to need to, as a whole, and I'm talking the industry, we were going to need to start showing uh, the consumer variety, something different. And, and we weren't going to th- th- live the rest of our company's lives on one or two products. We needed more. So when we when we move forward on what I call the, the first family of plant-based patties or plant-based burgers, we moved forward knowing that we needed more than just our original uncut burger but we wanted a variety and we went to market right away as soon as we were ready and developed that that product um, shortly thereafter we developed our products that it, which is our our uncut plant-based savory chicken burger our uncut uh, plant-based roasted turkey burger and our award-winning uncut plant-based breakfast sausage patty all amazing products and where we separate ourselves from our competitors even today is we have variety, they don't. And it helps me walk into the door, even when they say, we've seen enough, we've already made our choices on, on the burger, but wait a minute, you've got some things we haven't seen. Let's take a look at those. That's why variety is important. And that's why we I felt confident for, from the very beginning that we could separate ourselves and be a a smaller, young company, we're able to adjust and move a lot faster than some of these larger corporations.
1: All excellent points. It seems like that big product pipeline definitely was needed in this space. Would you say that is the same in other natural products areas today?
0: Well, yes, and I'll tell you this. Uh, I I would be very uncomfortable doing what I did uh, two and a half years ago, Um, today, because the market has changed so dramatically and the competition has heated up in a very big way. For a small player or a small company to hit the market today, they better have something that's really unique and special and innovative and find a way to drive that out to the consumer so the consumer knows they have something. Because if they can't move fast enough, somebody else is gonna catch on and do the same thing and bury them very quickly. Uh, we have the distinct advantage of being now on the market for two and a half years, uh, though we're still young. Um, we've we've got uh, a lot of experience in that very short period of time, and it, it gives us a distinct advantage on the street. So um, I, I would say today uh, there's some eminent and very big challenges for somebody thinking about breaking into the plant-based food industry on any level with any different type of product. You better have something that's really special and unique. Um, and that's becoming more and more difficult to, to, to do.
1: Yes, sir. Right. And then the point that you were talking about just even going out to the retailers and winning shelf space, how has that been? that journey been for you?
0: Well, it's it's a very interesting journey uh, because initially um, we had a a little pushback right away when we said, hey, we want to be in the meat department right next to Beyond Meat or anybody else that was actually they were the only ones there when we first started pushing into retail. Uh, That has changed dramatically, and most of the big players, if not all of the big players, in retail today, uh, whether it be uh, Kroger or or Albertsons or, or Walmart or any one of the other players out there today, Whole Foods, uh, Sprouts, and so on and so forth, um, they're all expanding the space that they have available for plant-based meats. Uh, And that changed changed very quickly uh, within the past few months, maybe upwards of six months, because they see how quickly this is evolving and how quickly uh, they need to step it up because their customer, the consumer, is asking for it. And that really is the key here. So when I started uh, talking to – we're in uh, some Kroger divisions today, including Ralphs in Southern California and uh, in the Midwest as well with Mariano's and uh, and uh, Metro Market and a few others in Wisconsin and Chicago. Um, uh, my initial conversation with them was they, they were just going to have a couple of players and just a, a little bit of space available for – plant-based meats. And that has changed very quickly over a short period of time where they've opened up in many of their locations upwards of four feet of space, um, side to side, and then whatever comes in between up and down, um, and bringing in three, four, sometimes five competitors uh, and putting them on the shelves and allowing the consumer to make the choice. So I see, I I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the retail space is that the retailers are going to Um, are going to play it out and see uh, what the consumer is making a choice on and what they're picking up off the shelf and going back and picking it back up again.
1: That's interesting. So what is driving that consumer? All of these products, these analog meat products, seem to come from a different ingredient perspective, a a little bit different story behind it. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about what you're seeing out there and then maybe where you fit in?
0: Well, uh, I think um, you know there there are several different reasons why the consumer is, is making this choice. Um, I, I think a, a big reason for it is they're concerned with the environment and health of our planet, uh, and that certainly is the X Gen or the Millennials uh, in a big way. Uh, they're concerned what's happening with our planet. Uh, some of them may be concerned with their own health. Uh, that's probably more so with uh, the baby boomers and above. Uh, where they're going in the, uh, to the doctor, and the doctor saying, "Hey, you need to eat a little healthier, you know, stay a little more active." And how do I eat healthier? Well, you eat plant-based. Well, I love my burger, but you can do this. So there's that aspect. And then I think as you graduate down and go a little bit younger, you're, you're talking to some generations, uh, Z Gen, and, and uh, boy, I lose track of all the generations and all the names yes, for them. <laughs> But but you know what I'm saying every every day there seems to be a new quote unquote generation that fits in this little pocket. Uh, but certainly younger, when we're talking about 18 years or younger, uh, it's I, I hear it almost every single day that uh, these kids are watching some of these videos that are out and concerned about the animals, and they want they're going to stop eating meat because they don't like the way the animals are being treated uh, when they go to slaughter. And uh, so on and so forth. So there's various different reasons why the consumer is is making choices like this. and they're 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 doing an interesting thing too, as well, Christine. They're picking up the package at retail and they're flipping it over and looking at the ingredients and the nutritionals. and And this this has been an evolving thing uh, with just better for you products in, in a big way. But it was always mostly restricted to natural foods markets, not so much conventional markets like we would uh, think uh, at a Kroger or at Albertsons or Walmart or Target. Uh, they're doing it in all of these places now. So it's important to them. They're, they're looking at the ingredients and saying, hey. You know, I'm not sure if this really is that healthy for me. Uh, And I'm going to look at the next guy and see what what their product is. And and if they're right next to each other on the shelf, what are they choosing and why are they choosing it? Are they choosing it because they believe they have better nutritionals? I I think that's happening more often than we might think today. And so, you know, when I look at our product specifically, we we are proud to have a non-GMO product. uh, status with our products, we're we we're, uh, we're based that way, and we started that way, non-GMO Project verified. We have the butterfly symbol on our products. We're also certified plant-based, which is important, and it's a designation that um, we could talk about as well. Uh, certified plant-based is specific to food products, whereas vegan would be vegan, certified vegan could be anything, including your shoes or the leather that you don't have in your car because they do have certified vegan uh, cars nowadays, believe it or not. Uh, but you wouldn't see certified plant-based cars because it's specific to food, and that was important to us. We wanted to designate ourselves that way, and all of our products today are gluten-free. And and we're also proud of one other thing that's really important when it comes to ingredients and nutritionals is we're about 30% less sodium in our burger Uh, than all of our competitors. And some competitors are more than double what we have in sodium. And when people look at that ingredient statement, sodium always pops out. There's a big concern with how much sodium intake that you have on a daily basis. And we're proud of the fact that we created products that taste fantastic and are lower in sodium as well.
1: That sodium story really is rising and and I think getting more concern and um, appreciation among consumers appreciation mm-hmm. might not be the right word when the doctor says watch it, huh? No, no, that's true. But you also have this other S word that has been a target for many years, soy.
0: Yeah. Why soy? We yeah, so we, we, ha- we when we went to develop our products initially and my R&D team and my development team, we all sat down and started talking about what would be the main base of the protein within our products. And of course, at the time, I, I was a big proponent of deep protein because I worked for a company previously uh, that was uh, very strong with pea protein, uh, which is beyond meat, of course, even though at the time they, their, their chicken product at the time in the market was a combination of soy and pea protein. Um, so, uh, it, But my team had a tremendous uh, background in, in soy protein and developing these products uh, with soy protein, so we talked about all the different proteins, and we worked on it, and we we you know tried different samples of uh, various different uh, products uh, that contain both pea and soy protein, and some other proteins out there at the time, which um, aren't as active in in uh, plant based meat segment uh, today, but pea and soy are. And, um, we found ourselves leaning towards soy over and over again because of the bite, the chew, the texture, the, our ability to, uh, create flavors that, uh, didn't have the essence or nuances of the protein that we had in there. So it's, it's, in our mind, it's a, it's a lot more challenging to mask the flavor or blend the flavor of pea protein, which has a basis of very bitter taste as compared to soy protein but one of the other real big keys the soy protein um is there's a lot of misconceptions about about soy and and it, it seems to be more specific to the US than anywhere else internationally because i don't find myself up against the wall at any point in time interna- internationally when it comes to soy if a, a soy is a complete protein pea protein isn't and most other plant-based proteins are not um so it, it, having a complete protein is really important to us. We start out the gate with what we believe is the best plant-based protein available on the market, and there's a tried and true history to soy. Soy has been around for thousands of years. Uh if you if you look at what most of us believe as the healthiest cultures in the uh, uh you know in the world today we generally look toward asian cultures and say they they tend to be healthier than other parts of the world and they eat three times as much soy as we do and they've been eating soy for hundreds thousands of years and um and, and i think they've done very well for themselves so when when i stand back and take a look at that and um it, we could get into we could spend a lot of time on soy and talk about the the, the more of the science behind it and, and the misconceptions that are out in the market. But the bottom line is, soy is a, a fantastic plant-based protein, and it should be viewed as, a, as an amazing protein. In uh, the market today, there's a tremendous viability for, for soy protein, and we're proud to use it in our products.
1: Yeah, and maybe the plant-based growth allows that story to be told and more easily discussed out there in the wider world or i guess not the wider world in, in the united states in particular as you pointed out agreed so what's next for before the butcher
0: well we're, we're really excited to talk about our next launch which will be in uh, retail with our launch of plant-based grounds um, in in a bulk pack so we're going to be in a brick form uh in in the meat department as well Right next to our burgers and our other competitors, we have four flavors. Our original uncut uh, plant-based ground, which is similar to uh, a ground beef. Uh, We also have our uncut uh, sausage ground, our uncut breakfast ground, and then our uncut taco ground, which is absolutely amazing. But this whole whole thing of continuing our path and our direction on variety is what we will uh, move forward with. Uh, with our uh, family, our first family of uh, plant-based grounds.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing the story, uh, the thoughts about the industry. I think 2020 is going to be an interesting year to watch. And so we'll have to catch up at the end of the year and, and see yeah. if all the predictions um, come to pass. And, and, and actually, as I say that, it's probably we'll visit again in 2025 and it'll it'll be an interesting way to look back and, and see what this year
0: marked for us right right we can go back to this conversation and then you can pull out very specific segments and said you can say Danny you said this but this happened what 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 happened
1: <laughs> yeah well, blame it all on you that sounds great no
0: <laughs> that, that's good I think it'll be a good thing. I think we'll look back and see a lot of things that we talked about today are, are going to happen and maybe even bigger and broader than, than what I anticipated or projected.
1: Yes, sir. It really is an exciting time. So thanks so Thank much.
0: Thank you, Christy.
1: <laughs> thanks again to our underwriters, 301 Inc., the Giannuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Whipstitch Capital, and Unilever. Unilever is convinced that businesses that thrive in the future will be those that serve society today. That's why 10 years ago, it launched the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan, which sets out how it is decoupling growth from its environmental footprint while increasing the corporation's positive social impact. Unilever believes it has the opportunity and the responsibility to be a force for good in the world and just as importantly, it believes that doing good makes for better business.